Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Good afternoon, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. We have a very interesting show today. I've been very excited to get Mr. John Patrick Ballas on the show. I've been trying to get him on the show for a number of weeks. John is incredible. He is the CEO of Lean Your Way. And John is a coach and a trainer. He's a best-selling author. He has a brand new book that he's written that we're going to talk about called Rapid ROI. But when I have researched John and spoken with him prior to this interview, the thing that really catches my eye is that he's an expert in the DNA of companies. And I really love it. You're going to want to stay tuned because there's just so much great information that he has, great background, great experience. John, welcome to the Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you, Jake. I'm really excited to be here, and uh, it's an honor to, to actually have you interview me. Well, this is super cool, John, and I really appreciate that very much. You're doing so many great things. You've got a best-selling uh, book that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, or soon to be a best-selling book, but your past books are bestsellers, of course. And let's talk a little bit about Lean Your Way. So let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet and let's talk about what Lean Your Way consulting and training is all about. Well, the, the company is really about coaching CEOs and all the way down through the organization to help them understand how they can make lean sustainable in their organizations. Um, the gentleman that wrote uh, Lean Thinking, Dr. Walmack, put out a study that said that 96% of companies were failing at lean. And I sort of took a look at that and said, I don't know if that's quite right, but let's take, let's take a deeper look. And so when you think about lean, most people think about manufacturing, okay, from the concepts of Toyota, just in time, um, Henry Ford, et cetera. Lean is actually can be applied to any company and it's agnostic to any industry. So I've been able to apply it to manufacturing, to lawyers, firms, mortgage companies, home building, believe it or not, uh, and many other uh, industries, aerospace, te high technology, low technology, it doesn't matter. So when you think about Lean Your Way and what you opened up with DNA, people think they can go to Toyota, get a tour and see what good looks like, or actually great, I would call it, looks like, and they come back and they try to apply it to their factory and they do fail. From the standpoint, it becomes a program of the month. So Lean Your Way is about understanding each organization from their DNA. Each culture is different. Each CEO is different. Their vision, their strategy, how they want to work in, in congruent with 
the entire supply chain makes a difference. And trying to do a cookie cutter approach just doesn't work. So therefore, I named the company Lean Your Way. And the new book, Rapid ROI, is about the execution methodology, not about the lean tool sets. John, that's super interesting. So let's pull the lens back just a little bit more. So when a company calls you and they've heard about you or they became you know, referred to you or they've read one of your books and they want to reach out to, to help their company, they want your coaching and your training, what are the types of problems that those companies are having that you can fix with your background and experience? So I try to understand each individual company's point of pain. And it's, it's different. So in some companies, it may be up in engineering. Uh, other companies, and for most manufacturing companies, it's usually in, in the production lines, okay? So when you think about um, the supply chain and trying to service uh, lines to produce a final product or a sub-assembly, it all got to come together at the right time. Otherwise, you got inventory everywhere. And that's generally uh, the, the initial problem that I try to solve for them. How do you get flow moving um, in a way that is at a tap time that paces itself through the facility so that it comes together in final assembly, you can pack it up and ship it out. Unfortunately, that's not what happens in 90% of companies. They end up getting partial assemblies. They send them off to the, the, the finished goods area to be held. And when they're in that holding area, somebody comes along, they might spill a cup of coffee on it, bump into it, a forklift hits it, et cetera. And then you've got defects. So from that standpoint, generally the first thing we look at is what is closest to the customer. So we start at the shipping dock and we work our way back. And that usually takes us into final assembly and we can really make an impact where um, management is impressed what we do with their people. Now, we don't do it for you, okay? Clearly I wanna say that. Too many consulting firms come in and do it for you. That's why we prefer to be called coaches. We come in, we coach alongside you. We work alongside you. We understand what you're having to do daily. And then we get you to see from a different point of view. So we call it learning to see through the lens of an eyeglass. What am I seeing differently that you're not seeing? And how can I teach you to see that waste so you can start preventing it? That makes all the sense in the world. And we talk about it all the time. Entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders of companies, they're so close to their company, John, that oftentimes they can't see that somebody with a trained eye like you can see for them. And like you said, you're a coach, you work alongside them, and you become almost an extra set of eyes for them, which is just a great approach. And it's really amazing. John, when we, when we did our pre-interview, we, we talked a lot about some of the great worldwide companies that uh, you've learned from that you have experience with and and you have some fascinating stories uh, more toward the auto industry. We talked about Toyota, for example, and some of their culture and what their DNA looks like. Let's get into that a little bit because you're an expert in company DNA. You really understand it. For those people that don't really understand what a company's DNA is all about, maybe you could explain that a little bit. Sure. So let's let's uh, peel the onion back on Toyota, all the way back to the beginning, all right? So Toyota used to be Toyota, and it was a, a weaving company, made weaving equipment. And after World War II, um, Toyota um, got into the automobile industry. And actually, probably during the war, they were into that industry. 
um, coming out of, of the war, um, they didn't, they weren't able to sell their product. And it's, it's sort of a, a very touchy story in Toyota or in Japan, but Admiral Toyota led the invasion on Pearl Harbor. Um, he also was the only one that was um, uh, committed for war crimes, okay? Um, event eventually he was acquitted of it, but it was still, the Toyota name was a big name in Japan. If you know anything about Japanese history, there's multiple family names that have been in the history of Japan for a long time. So as they got into their product, they had a contest and they changed the name by one letter and it became Toyota. I tell people that was the start of their continuous improvement journey. Now, they sold the Corolla here in the United States to try to break into the market. They lost $1,600 per car, okay, trying to break into that market. And they realized that was part of their strategy. They knew that they were going to take a big hit um, as they came to America, you know, being a Japanese company. So they, in turn, learned to eliminate those quality defects, make up that difference of the 1600 and many more dollars associated with waste, and they began to start selling for profit. As they went through that journey in the 60s and 70s, along came this guy called Dr. Deming in the, in the 60s, and Dr. Deming helped them with quality. But the, the true guy that initially helped them, they stole him from Mitsubishi. Uh, there was a thing called the War Axe, and the, the Japanese wanted to know, how did we start up our manufacturing process so quickly you know, after such destruction the U.S. took. So when you think about that, uh, his name was, was uh, Shingo, and he was an industrial engineer, and Toyota brought him on along with another gentleman named Ono, um, Toichi Ono. And so they were able to really create the Toyota system, um, and it was a constant um, process of waste elimination. And I'll give you an example. There's an engine plant named after um, Shingo. Uh, it's engine plant number nine in the Toyota manufacturing arena. And from that engine plant, they did over 350,000 Kaizen events. And Kaizen is a Japanese word for what, look, what good looks like, but it's really, they used it for every day improve upon the day before. So, um, so what they talk, he talks about single minute die exchange or changeover of equipment. So to go from a four cylinder to a six cylinder engine took weeks. They got that down to days. That's the power of what they created. And they distributed that through their entire organization, not just manufacturing. You look at Toyota today, their goal, their strategy, you know, America talks about turning over cars every 18 months, new models. Their strategy is to get to six months. So, I mean, they're applying the continuous improvement methodology. So their DNA to what you talked about earlier, Jake, is really critical to them. Did it work in Honda? No, but Honda caught on to the concepts and their culture was a little bit more advanced than Toyota's. So they, you look at both organizations, they're, they're totally different, right? Um, but very similar in car products. So Honda was probably a place when, when I was in Japan studying, we went and saw the culture seemed to be a lot more uh, to, to um, user-friendly, okay? 
Toyota, you didn't pull the end cord, okay, cord, but, you know, stopping a train unless you had a problem. You, 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 you had your head down, you did your job. You know, and eventually Toyota was able to change that in the late 80s and 90s, and they really became a powerhouse. Both of those companies are powerhouse companies in the arena of continuous improvement. Um, and there's other great companies in the U.S. You know, companies that don't brag very much. And by the way, uh, we talked about this. Toyota does not brag and does not consider themselves world class. So um, I don't know if we have time for this or not, but, you know, quick story, football. Um, so there's a process for measuring, a, a world-class process, and it's called um, Tim Woods or, uh, I'm sorry, not Tim Woods, I apologize. It's, it's uh, Little's Law, okay? And uh, Little's Law is you take the longest path that takes you to build a car. So let's say football. Everybody can relate to NFL football. You go into the stadium, you watch the game, you come out three hours later, 180 minutes. But if you take two offenses and they're on the field executing plays to the strategy of football is to score touchdowns, right, by the offense, would you believe that two offenses on the field executing plays only equals eight minutes? Eight minutes into 180 is 4.5% cycle efficiency, okay? When you walk into a factory, I'm lucky to find a factory that is over 2%. It's very rare. So there's lots of opportunities. So Toyota says world-class, we'll say we're world-class when we get the 50% value add to 50% non-value add. After 60 years, Toyota is the world leader in this, and they sit at about 28% cycle efficiency. So their journey, as far as they're concerned, is not over. Every day, we've got to keep eliminating waste. That's the DNA. Each company is uniquely different. Starts with the CEO. He's got to have a strategy. He's got to have a vision. And the people reporting to him have to have a mission task statement that says, here's how what I'm going to do in my function to eliminate waste to accomplish that vision we have for the company. I love it. That is absolutely unbelievable. And obviously, the companies that hire you, John, they get this historical perspective of business and you can learn from history. You can learn from John's experience when you hire him as a coach for your, for your business. It's absolutely remarkable. Toyota had 350,000 Kaizen events. It's just incredible. And, and they don't even look at themselves as a world-class company, according to John. It's really a unique sort of um, outlook on the world. And I think that's what John brings to the companies that he works with is He's all about that constant and never-ending improvement and making sure that the, the CEOs put the strategy in place and they put, they put the things in place so that the people that work within the company can have mission-critical uh, opportunities and ways to improve that business on a constant basis. Is that what we're saying, John? Absolutely. And, and earlier you mentioned you know, about entrepreneurs. Look, entrepreneurs out there, I was an entrepreneur 30 years ago starting my own company. And I learned a lot of things the hard way. I got myself a couple good coaches and that made a huge difference for me in, in establishing my business. And all businesses go through cycles up and down. You know, we all just went through a pandemic. It had a devastating effect on our businesses. Now's not the time to sit back and say, we don't have time to do continuous improvement. 
you've got to do continuous improvement even more now. You know, you want to improve your EBITDA, you've got to get the waste out. Well, that's absolutely important. I'm writing something down because I don't want to forget it. Even, you know, into the future, you know, talking about continuous improvement, it's very, very important. And that leads me to the new book that you've written because you wrote a book called Rapid ROI. I was very lucky enough to get an advanced copy and a PDF file. And John, it's very, very interesting. Do you have a, a, a the book in front of you or on the desk that you could show? And we're going to put some links uh uh, at the bottom of the interview, but there you have it, Rapid ROI, Mobilizing a Sustainable Improvement Journey. Let's talk about that because on the book, John, you, you talk about the lean samurai, and I love that. So explain what that's all about, and let's talk about the book. Okay, so um, in 2013, um, the alumni, um, I studied in Toyota for six months, and the alumni of IBM, where I was employed at the time, and um, Toyota, uh, the people that I was working with at the time, uh, they gave me a Samurai sword. It's behind me right here. And the reason we put it on the front of the book, a Samurai, um, isn't the title of Lean Samurai. But if you think about when you're working with somebody as a coach, you know, a doctor doesn't go from becoming a doctor and doing operations on his own immediately, it takes years before they can perfect it, especially a specialty. Well, when you think about lean and a coach and bringing somebody in to help your business, we put the samurai on there because it's a dedication of more than 20 years to an art. And I think the continuous improvement world, if you're really good at it, and there's a lot of other people really good at it, um, but the art of, the, of this is it takes time. You know, you learn from your own mistakes. And the difference after 20 years is I put together this execution methodology. So you have all the lean tools out there. You know, it could be process flow. It could be defect prevention, pokeyoke as they call it. It could be uh, SMED or changeover or combines, pull systems, et cetera. Any of these type of tools, uh, uh, value stream mapping, et cetera. Those are all tool sets. And yes, you got to get very good at those. But a, uh, a true leader in Japan in the samurai world dedicates himself to coming really good at the art of warfare. Well, I like to think I'm really good at the art of warfare of continuous improvement, cutting out the waste, taking that samurai sword and slicing out that waste in your organization, but not doing it for you, showing you how to do it. And that's what's so different. So what does a samurai do? He's got a whole bunch of senseis below him, okay, and students that he's training to be great warriors. I want to leave behind my legacy of great companies that I've worked with and many other people. I have personally trained well over 100 people to really do a, a lot of projects. Um, just give you a, a balance. You know, today's world... You can go out and you can get a black belt, a master black belt. You can go online. You can pay $4,500 and get it. They don't even know if you've done the project. When I studied, you had to do 100 projects. 85% of them had to be successful. To become a master sensei, you had to get five other people there. That took me another 10 to 12 years to get five other people there. So that's the sense of the book 
is wanted to show them the execution methodology and let them know it's well grounded in the number of years of practicing this methodology for executing every day. And just I very briefly, it. what we're trying to do with this execution methodology is every day mobilize the organization at the top, all the way down throughout the organization. It's like a huddle every day. And I'd say, hey, Jake, how did we do yesterday? Well, we did good yesterday. Well, what did we do well? Let's repeat it. Let's add it to the standards. If we didn't do well, what do we need to do differently today, team? Let's document it. What were the type of errors? Let's work on those. So then we assess it. Then we redesign on a daily basis. You implement it, standardize it, and then sustain it. What companies are failing today, what Dr. Walmack was talking about, is it's the program of the month. And let's change next month. Oh, Academia World came out with this. Let's move on to that. It doesn't work, folks. What Toyota doesn't have a program of the month. They don't do Lean Six Sigma. They do continuous improvement. It's called a Toyota production system for them. And what I do for companies is I name it for them. When I was at Dr. Pepper, we called it the rapid continuous improvement methodology, okay? Um, every company is different. I help them come up with a unique name. I love it. I love it, John. This is unbelievable. The warfare of continuous improvement, it is absolutely poignant and spot on. You cut out waste. You have so many people that you've helped. I mean, it's really incredible. You're getting me motivated and pumped up right now just listening to you. And I know that's happening for the people watching the show. And what's really remarkable, what I really like, John, about you in particular, is not only do you have that, that grasp of what it takes to get people moving and motivated, but you've got the chops behind you to make sure that they get it done. And you can teach people what you've learned throughout your career. And it's, it's just... It's, it's a massive amount, a massive volume of experience that you've had versus some of the younger guys that maybe, you know, maybe they've learned it in a book, but they haven't learned it in the real world like you have. And, and from my perspective, if I own, you know, a company that wants to reach out to someone who's a coach to help me, I want the guy or the gal that has that experience themselves versus just being book smart. But with you, I get both because you have the experience and not only are you book smart, but you're a best-selling author. And now you have your brand new book called Rapid ROI coming out. So it's absolutely amazing. Now, I booked a little more time than usual with you because I was so excited to have you on the show, John, because I have so many questions uh, to talk to you about. But let's talk about what the onboarding you know, phone call looks like when somebody calls you, they've read the book, they get a hold of you online on your website, or they call you up and they say, John, you know, my company needs some help. I need a coach. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much into hearing what you said about the warfare of continuous improvement. I need to cut a lot of waste out because I know I'm being wasteful. What does that first phone call sort of sound like with your potential clients? Well, they're not going to get a sales call. Okay. I'm here to listen when you first call. And, um, you know, if, if I can understand from you what your point of pain is, then I can coach you on what the next steps would be and how we could get together and create something that will be lasting for you and sustainable. Um, there's just too many people that have done a disservice to this industry. And uh, so we try very, very hard not to be one of those in that category. 
That makes all the sense in the world. And I know from our previous phone calls, you're a great listener. And more importantly, from my perspective, you ask great questions. And I think those questions get you to where you want to go so you can calculate in your mind whether you can or can't help the people that are calling you. And that's really a feather in your cap. And it really says a lot about your experience and what you're able to do. Let's get back to the book just for a minute again, Rapid ROI, because there's so many things and I'm not even through it yet, but there's so many things that I found very, very interesting. You go through the history of what it means for constant and continuous improvement in the book, and you talk about some of these concepts that you have about the warfare of continuous improvement. When we look at the, at the, at the business world today, John, and we look at what's happening with, with entrepreneurs and startup companies, and let's say say companies that are not as mature as let's say the Inc 5000 companies or the you know the Fortune 100 or 1000 companies let's talk about the smaller type startup companies what type of advice do you have for those founders and CEOs when they're starting out so that they can sort of get on the right foot and get on the right track to make sure that they have this constant and never ending improvement that you're talking about well they need to put some basics of nuts and bolts in place and what I'm talking about is really have a good sound strategy. Think out your strategy, perhaps in, in, in smaller uh, chunks. Um, I think I've run into too many entrepreneurs that try, you know, especially in manufacturing world, they come up with a new product, you know, a new gadget, new mouse, whatever it might be. Um, so uh, they try to, you know, think out way too much, um, too far into the future. You got to keep it close and in close proximity so that you can execute. And, and that's where I think I've seen, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur or your Fortune 500 company. I've seen too many companies every year, they want to create a new strategy, a new vision. You know, you have a vision for the company and you stay with it. You might tweak it, um, but you don't, you know, abandon your vision. Think it out, um, work through it. Make sure people on your team are committed to that vision. In turn, what they should do is they should execute uh, that vision uh, for you. You know, a, a quick thing there I can just share with you. You know, you think about the first Gulf War, and this is where Storm and Norman, the general, got his name. So Colin Powell got all the coalition together, and the one thing our President Bush did not want to have again was another Vietnam War. And so he said, I want it to be clean and decisive. Well, they came back and the biggest uh, problem in the Vietnam War was there was too much friendly fire kill uh, from other countries, countries killing countries, basically. And so uh, he brought all the generals together, and it was going to be the same thing. General Prowl threw them all out. Um, a few days later, this is where Storman gets his name. He came storming into the general's tent. He said, I've got it. I know what to do. And he said, all the armies should work under this general. That This will be their mission. All the air forces will work under one general. This will be the, their mission, et cetera, the Navy. And so when you think about everybody gets mission and vision mixed up, they want to put mission above vision. How can you have a mission to accomplish anything when you don't have a vision? So mission comes after you got a good vision. And then each functional organization or each person reporting to that entrepreneur needs to understand for the success of the company You've got to accomplish not what you want. You want to accomplish what the, the CEO wants because the buck stops there. 
you know, whether you're a private company or you're a public company. So I try to help them understand that getting there is the most important thing. Keeping that strategy on a, a big four by uh, 10 sheet of paper, something big, make it stick out at you. The same way with your vision, have it throughout your facility, make sure everybody knows it. And then the final thing is communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, because the number one failure in business, and it's in the book, the new book, okay? There's a series of graphs in there. The number one failure is communication. And this came from 10,000 senior leaders like yourselves out there listening to this uh, podcast. So uh, I gathered that information trying to understand why does lean or continuous improvement fail? And what it all stems down to is someone communicates something at the top. I interpret it what Jake just said, and I run with what I think is what needs to be done. No, that's not how it works. You need to have clear, concise communication all the way down throughout your process, always. That's what causes everything to fail. And if you think about it, it's not just business. It's also on a personal level. Um, communication, number one reason things fail. I love it. Wow. So that is really interesting. And people that are watching the show for, for the younger entrepreneurs and even the guys that are more seasoned watching the show, it just makes all the sense in the world to have that vision first and make sure that you you're mission critical, that you you know, your team and your company accomplishes what the CEO wants. And, and of course, the thing that ties it all together, which is the single most important thing, not only for business, but in your personal life, is the communication. Now, John, you have an amazing story. And we spoke a little bit before the show about whether, you know, we could talk about it. And you've given me the blessing to talk about it. And I thank you for that, because I think it'll be very helpful you know, you've written a couple of best-selling books. The new one is uh, coming out any day. I've got, I received the advanced copy and it's it's really, really awesome. Um, you, you had shared with me um, sort of a personal journey. And at this point in time in our, in our interviews, we like talking about the personal journey. What's your why? What gets you up in the morning? And you shared with me something that might be surprising when people read your books that you, you have dyslexia. And again, thank you for allowing me to share that with, with the, the people watching the show, because that's very empowering to look at someone like you who's been able to overcome that and do such great things. So uh, I know you wanted to talk about that, and I'd love for you even to share that with, with the audience. Sure. You know, I, I don't think people understand that you can draw on um, your weaknesses and turn them into strengths. And you, th you think about General Powell. Uh, I'm sorry, not General Powell, General Patton, one of my heroes as a kid, um, because as, as I struggled through school, um, but I also did a lot of creative things because I'm dyslexic. Um, General Powell, I mean, General Patton, apologize. Um, he was able to counterintuitively look at the German army and come up with crazy battle plans. And everybody said he was nuts. And, but yet he won all the battles he was in. And when I look at a factory, I can intuitively see things that most people don't see because I see things sort of in reverse. Um, and yes, when it comes to writing, it's very difficult. You know, each one of my books have taken me, you know, uh, a little over five years to write. And um, the, the neat thing about, you know, technology changing, this new book, you know, right here, I didn't have to do a lot of writing because when you open it up, 
each chapter has got a little QR code and you get to see two or three minutes of me explaining the chapter so you don't have to read so much. Um, so, you know, my publisher, you know, came up with that and he did a great job working with me on that. And so I want people to understand that, you know, you can get caught up in the world and, and people can box you in. And I work with dyslexic kids all the time, helping them to get into college so they can get through college. The rate of dropout of dyslexic kids their first year in college is 94% um, because they don't get the kind of help they need. And of course, today's technology helps a lot. So I'm all about, you know, sharing so people know you can be successful. And, you know, it might take you a little while to get there. You might mispronunciate something. You, you might not, you know, get uh, the paper written right. Don't let it stop you. The same way with your business. All right. I've seen a lot of great leaders um, that they don't talk about their handicaps or disabilities. And they're great leaders and they can be even greater leaders if people know right up front. When I'm working with a client, I let them know, look, if you ask for me to type out something right away, may not be perfect, um, but and here's why. And I don't have a problem with that, sharing that. Um, I think it's important for people to understand and, and help other people, you know, give back. Uh, a lot of people helped me get to where I am today. I wouldn't be here today without that help. John, that's so empowering. It really is remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And thank you so much for what you do in the business community. You help so many companies. You you really take this historical view of, of the world and then combine it with your own past experiences. And you've come up with something very unique. You're an expert at the DNA of companies. You understand uh, the title of your new book, which is Rapid ROI, what it takes to get uh, continuous improvement in a company, how to cut out waste, um, how to make sure that the vision comes first, then the mission, and wrap it all the way around with, with great communication. It's something that all companies really, really need. And, and I'm thinking of some companies that I've invested in, in, my, in my life and still am a shareholder in. And I'm thinking they need you right now on the floor helping them. So it's really, really awesome, John. And I just wanted to take a minute to thank you so much for cutting out some time today. Uh, this has been just so fascinating for me and I'm sure for the people watching the show and and uh, obviously, people can reach out to John, uh, probably, you know, just Google John. He's everywhere. John Patrick Ballas. Uh, take a look at his books. The Rapid ROI book is coming out very soon. But, John, thank you so much for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. This has been really, truly an honor for me. Thank you, Jake. And it's been a real privilege. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the book. Um, you can go to my website, as Jake said. Um, after you read the book, if you want to book 15 minutes to just an introductory call, please do so.